Welcome back to the Fantasy Formula. I'm Adam from F1 Fantasy HQ, and I'm joined as always by Rob from F1 Fantasy Hub. Rob, as the teams head to Vegas, we need a jackpot this week to undo our recent string of bad luck. Yeah, we do. It's been a pretty hectic last couple of races, hasn't it? I think we've all been plagued with DNFs and the like for the last couple of race weekends. I'm looking forward to a non-sprint weekend as well. So hopefully with a couple of weeks break in between races, uh, I've certainly taken some time to disconnect from social media with all, all the content we've been churning out. Um, so hoping a, a few days away from my fantasy team bears fruit heading into Vegas. We're back with a clear mind and ready to dominate this week in Vegas. Let's take a look at what we're going to talk about tonight. So we'll talk about what happened at Interlagos and another disappointing week for the Mercedes team, and we'll break all that down. We're going to preview the Las Vegas Grand Prix, which is definitely fixing to be an exciting race. Then we'll get into the Fan Amp Picks of the Week and get into our lineup choices and what we're going to try to do to finish the season on a strong note. And then we'll finish tonight by revealing our fifth gear GARMS giveaway. And remember, with Black Friday coming up, make sure you use our code FANTASY10 at fifthgeargarms.com for 10% off your order this Christmas. So Rob, it looks like you have a new team name this week. I do. Yeah, Lando Legend. Thanks to Rishi Sagurti, I uh, our most recent winner in the FanAmp giveaway. Uh, so congratulations. Uh, and, you know, Lando has had uh, some sensational weeks lately, three driver of the day performances. So hopefully another legendary performance on the cards for him in Las Vegas. Fantastic. Now to start our Brazil recap, let's talk about my boys in Mercedes. So this is a car that had Lewis P2 in Coda before his disqualification, P2 in Mexico. He's heading into a pseudo home race because he's an honorary Brazilian citizen. So expectations were really high for Mercedes, especially after Russell's win last year. And it was a complete disaster from start to finish. They were consistently slow in this race. You see Russell had a late DNF due to that critical fuel oil issue. Lewis was really just sputtering in the upper midfield the whole time. Mercedes really had nothing the whole weekend. No, it was really surprising, to be honest. I think we had such high expectations of them heading into the weekend. They've historically had such a stranglehold over into Lagos. Lewis has an exceptional record, as you pointed out, and came off the back of 41 points in Mexico. So on the radar of a lot of people, uh, and understandably so, was a one of the most popular picks in Limitless teams. Uh, and a number of people also had him for extra DRS uh, too, uh, as their two times. I think even a couple of people might've had him as their three times. So a pretty underwhelming weekend. And I thought we probably could have been up for worst weekend of the season in Circuit of the Americas, but I'd say Brazil was probably right up there as well. It was a disappointment for sure. And you can see these quotes from Toto Wolf on the left there, totally baffling and inexcusable. And part of why this is so bad, you saw Lewis competing for podiums the two previous weekends. And in this race, he was fighting with the likes of Pierre Gasly and Yuki Tsunoda most of the race and losing. And you can see in this graph on the right, these are the average sector two times throughout the race. The two Mercedes drivers were 12th and 13th fastest in the second sector. They were just completely lost the whole weekend. 
it made no sense to me because I so much expected Mercedes to be most competitive in that second sector where the the turns probably work a little bit more in favor with their kind of downforce setup that they've been running, you know, to some effect throughout the season. But it just felt like they were never really in the mix. I know George had a couple of you know good moments in qualifying and he finished P4 in the sprint, but ultimately it was a pretty underwhelming performance across the board i mean russell had he not retired probably could have been on for you know a 20 plus point performance but he was eating all of that kind of bad air from lewis sitting right behind him um, until he retired so i'd say that perhaps factored into the retirement um as you pointed out it's just very disappointing and I, i do feel for the the limitless guys that had you know triple triple mercedes that weekend Mercedes claim they figured out what went wrong in Brazil and are ready to write the ship this week. But if they were so keen to what was exactly causing the issue, they probably would have prevented it in the first place. So I'm taking that news with a grain of salt. Yeah, and I think there's understandable skepticism around how they'll go at Las Vegas because it is a, a high-powered track. So a lot of people, myself included, are looking to ditch Mercedes, and I don't even think I need to see practice times to um want to move away from them for for certainly this race and maybe for the rest of the season this will be a big week for them for sure as they try to figure out is the 2024 concept going to work or do they need to scratch as we head into the off season looking at the other side of the spectrum at a team that amazes us in a positive way is aston martin and fernando alonso and alonso had this amazing race including this battle with checo at the end in that very last lap it was a race to the finish line that Alonzo won by 53 one thousandths of a second. And I wonder if driver of the day voting started just a little bit later and fans could see that last lap battle, maybe Alonzo would have taken driver of the day home too. I think he thoroughly deserved the driver of the day nomination. And I would have, uh, I didn't vote for him. I don't really vote every single week, but I, I do think he was deserving uh, of that. A great performance by him and, such a bounce back from Aston Martin after very much underwhelming in the second half of the season. Alonso had you know, that 62-point performance in the Netherlands, but that feels like a red herring when you look at some of his scores in this second stanza of 2023. So great to see his owners, who I'd say most of them are probably zombie teams, but the the, the odd few that, that took a punt on Alonso, handsomely rewarded with 39 points and a $1 million increase. Uh and then Stroll too, great great to see him back in the, I wouldn't call it the winner's circle, but P5 and a, a season-high fantasy points performance there. So, you know, I think they, they deserve some consideration for our teams heading into Las Vegas. It's interesting. After back-to-back DNFs at Coda in Mexico, I was nervous about Alonso heading into this race, but he really exceeded my expectations for it. Meanwhile, Aston Martin, even though they looked so good in the first half of the season, they set a season high with 77 points last time out too. So perhaps Aston Martin are taking the corner. Stroll recently has this P5 and a P7 finish. Now all of a sudden he's coming back into the discussion. So for those teams that need to take a flyer these last two weeks to try to outmaneuver a team that's playing a more standard lineup week to week, Stroll and Alonso are all of a sudden back in the discussion. I do wonder what... Uh, Aston Martin are going to look like and how they'll perform at Las Vegas. And I think you will probably cover a lot more of this in our deadline stream, perhaps even later in uh, the show as we look at our teams for this weekend. But I know that this circuit is going to work in favor of you know the Red Bulls, the Ferraris, the Williams, because of how many straights we've got. 
does Aston Martin have the capabilities to match them in those straight sectors? It's going to be a very, I think it'll be a scrap for a lot of teams in the midfield, you know, McLaren, Aston Martin, even Mercedes, um, given that they might be out of the running a little bit on those straights. But it is a good sign nonetheless that we're seeing that consistency that just has seemed to have eluded Aston Martin for the most part this season or since the early stages of the season. And as we talk about consistency, I can't believe I'm saying this, but can you imagine the consistency of Yuki Sonoda winning now his third straight budget driver crown with another great run in Brazil? And with seven overtakes and 22 points, he is now the third highest scoring driver in the last three races, tied with Carlos Sainz for 72 points in that three race time span. It's unbelievable to see the Yuki Tsunoda renaissance. I definitely didn't expect it, uh, at least with this level of consistency. Uh, and certainly at this late stage of the season, I feel like with so many things wrapped up in the drivers and constructors, drivers can be a little bit more complacent or maybe take their foot off the gas a little bit, pardon the pun. But I do think that Yuki's really delivered, uh, not just as a fantasy asset, but as a driver too. And for those people who have been able to stretch to him as the fifth driver in their teams have been handsomely rewarded. But you look at someone like Ricardo, who has become that enabler in recent weeks. You know, he's up at 5.5 now, starting at 4.5 a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, 10 points, not quite the same as Sonoda, but for those people who are compromised a little bit uh, on their budget, uh, a just reward as well, I would say. And, and for those of us that ran Danny Rick, it was bittersweet because 10 points is a pretty good day from your budget driver. But when you consider he was tangled up in some of the debris from that lap one incident between Magnuson and Albon, he and Piastri had to box out of sync with the red flag and it put them then a lap down from everyone else. So despite good pace from both of them, they really suffered and weren't able to move up the grid. And we're going to show some data a little bit later on, though, that should restore your faith in AlphaTauri and make sure that both of those drivers are in consideration this week for sure. Yeah, I think AlphaTauri had excellent race pace heading into the Grand Prix in Brazil, and they certainly demonstrated that in Mexico too. So I think they are exceptional options below that $8 million, $9 million price bracket. I know Yuki's price has increased exponentially in the last few weeks and deservedly so, but uh, I think they are great options for Las Vegas. I'm not going to suggest they suddenly have the straight line speed as some of the other teams I just mentioned, but I, I think they are going to be competitive and it would be great to see Ricardo just have one week of, you know, no interruptions can get to the front on his own merit. And, you know, he had that P7 in Mexico, obviously, as you pointed out, got caught up in that tangle um, in Brazil, but I'd love to see him really throw his weight around a little bit in Las Vegas at in a city that, he seems to have an affinity towards too. Rob, I want to get your impression on Joe and what his prospects are the next few weeks, because he was consistently in this spot in the first and middle parts of the season, but another alpha double DNF, he's really been on a slide these last few weeks. And I wonder if alpha Romeo are just losing the upgrade battle with the other teams and rightfully taking their place at the bottom of the grid. I think so. I mean, Joe's only had one double-digit points performance since Singapore, and I just don't know if that same level of consistency is there. It, it has been a car that has been somewhat rocks and diamonds throughout the year. They did have a couple of strong races to start the year off. I mean, Joe has been that enabler throughout the, you know, for the most part this season, but the pace just doesn't seem to be there. And you look at that Ferrari engine reliability or lack of reliability that both 
Baltas and Joe experienced. Leclerc obviously had that hydraulics problem on the formation lap. Mm-hmm. It's just a concern that seems to always find its way back into the conversation with Ferrari and it's enough to scare me away from him when you've got drivers like Ricardo and Sonoda, you know, either side of Joe in the price bracket, but both delivering much better results than what we've seen from from the Alpha drivers so far. I agree. Let's move on now to see how our teams fared in Brazil. And Rob, you edged me out by two points this week. I took a hit on Alex Albon on that first lap. It was an unlucky collision. But for me, this is five straight weeks in a row with either a DNF or a DQ. So a tough stretch for me. Yeah, much the same for me. I I don't even want to keep looking at the record of DNS, the string of DNS I've had since I think Monza, Netherlands. It's not a pretty sight uh, for me. So much like Albon, I, I, I mean, you don't see any negative points on, on my team, but I'm still left to rue what could have been for both Oscar and Daniel. You obviously also had Daniel. And then with Mercedes too, you know, I feel like we both had three drivers that could have definitely contended for points um, and none of which really came away with anything more than 13 in your case or 10 in mine for Ricardo. So I feel like we're, I mean, you've got you've got 2.5K on me in the rankings, but as you've pointed out a number of times already, we're only separated by, you know, 25, 26 points. So it's still enough time for me to bridge the gap, but we're running out of time. And I, I wonder if, uh, if we see anything like what we've seen the last few races with DNFs, if it's going to be enough for me to, to, to get back closer to that kind of 6, 7K. Oh, I think you're just one Vegas DNF away from from catching me. But I think the silver lining that I'm taking out of this is that even though this game is one part luck and luck hasn't been on our side with how many DNS we've gotten in a row, I we are still in the top quarter of a percent of all the teams in the world, the 99.75th percentile in the world. So I think it does go to show the power of sticking with it all season having a reliable fantasy source that knows the game that you can trust all season, even when the luck side's not on, you know, not on your side, we can still be one of the top teams in the world. I think also really encouraging that, as you pointed out, we're still both inside the top 10 uh, and the game has seen an increase of or 700,000 teams. I know, you know, each player can have multiple teams they run, but we're up from 1.6 million teams in 2022 to 2.3 this season. So I fully expect that's going to increase again heading into next year. And if we're still mixing it within the top 10K, I think that's a very, very respectable rank. So I would love to, I would love to stay inside the top 10K. And that's my goal now that five and certainly 1,000 is out of reach. But, uh, with autopilot on the cards for me this season, uh, this weekend, sorry, I think there's uh, plenty of optimism to be had at a circuit that we're not so confident in. For sure. And, and also, too, there's a new number one team in the world right now, and he follows both of us. So good to know that, that he watches our content, and we wish him the best of luck the rest of the way, too. Let's move on and talk about the Las Vegas Grand Prix this weekend, because this is going to be one of the wildest races we've seen in a long time because with the 10 p.m local start time the temperatures are going to be in the low 40s fahrenheit and this could be the coldest race ever in f1 history the coldest race before this was 41 degrees fahrenheit or five degrees celsius at the 1978 canadian grand prix so 
we could be really close to a record here. Yeah, F1 cars are just not designed for this kind of these kind of conditions. Uh, I'm not suggesting we're going to get a dump of snow in Las Vegas this weekend, but five degrees Celsius, forty degrees Fahrenheit is still scary enough. I do wonder if we're going to see them sliding all over the track in practice and qualifying, and if that provides us with the weather. There's also rain, and we're going to cover that in the forecast a bit later on, but whether that's going to provide us with an accurate representation of race simulation of car performance in the practice sessions with three practice sessions, obviously a great sign for us to have a little bit more data to work with, but no previous racing history. We don't know how drivers are going to react and respond to these, these straights, you know, how, how they're going to approach the turns. Uh, and, you know, it brings Williams, as I've said before, a Ferrari, Red Bull, all onto the radar as very viable fantasy assets. So it is going to be exciting, but I fully expect there's going to be some carnage as well. And we've got on the screen, um, you know, the lack of grip. I think that's going to be very problematic into turn one. And not just because of the cold temperatures. And, and this is certainly going to be the coldest weather that the new 18-inch tires have ever seen. But also, you think there are no other supporting formulas this weekend. No F2, no F3, no F1 Academy. So the only rubber laid down on a brand new track is going to be what you see in practice. So I think between the fresh track, the lack of rubber, the cold temperatures, it could be one of the wildest weekends we've seen in a long time, particularly on the second lap where you're taking that long straight heading into turn one with some pace. So yeah. I'm, I sort of wish I held on to my no negative until this race because it seems inevitable that there's going to be carnage. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I also think that the, the Pirelli tires coming to Las Vegas, I think they're bringing the C3, the C4, and the C5. I I cannot see for the life of me the, the hard compound being used whatsoever with the lack of traction that we're going to see around the circuit. So, you know, there's not going to be that many opportunities to warm your tires up, not a lot of high-speed corners. The straights are narrower. The straights and the turns are narrower. And as you pointed out, the, the lack of grip, it's it's going to, I think, be a little bit worrying. I'm, I'm glad I've got autopilot in my back pocket because... Max and Lando are on, on track for a season of no DNFs, but I do wonder if that record's going to hold heading into Las Vegas. And you you hit the nail on the head on, on one of the biggest problems here for us as we try to predict the race. Most often you see what we saw in Qatar, where how do you keep the tires from overheating and cool them down? We haven't really had this situation of how do you maintain enough heat in the tires to get grip on them those fast turns are where you can generate that that heat in the tires but there's so little of it and the straights are so long that's where you lose the temperature in the tires i think the teams are going to be really hard pressed to make this work and so for that reason i'm keeping a really close eye on free practice to see which teams are struggling with it with it versus who's managing it and those long runs and that race pace simulation that we finally get with three free practices are it's going to be huge now more than ever yeah, yeah, definitely. I just hope we have three practice sessions that are largely uninterrupted by weather because if we do see rain on Thursday and Friday in the practice sessions, it's going to completely ruin, you know, our gauge of what teams could look like. But Williams, Alex Albon's very optimistic in the Williams. Uh, he said it's going to, the, the circuit itself is going to work in favor in terms of the straights, but also I think around the tire performance with the car too. So, I've got my eye on him very much uh, heading into the weekend. I think of a quote from Alex, maybe about a month and a half ago. It was one of his last really good runs. And he said, 
I think that the car isn't going to be well suited for these next handful of tracks, but come see me again in Vegas because I feel good about it. And this was, you know, two months ago. So Alex foretold it a long time ago. Yeah, which I think um, segues quite nicely into the next slide around um, you know, AlphaTauri. I don't want to um, diverge too far from obviously Williams, but without the metric of Al Albon's performance in Brazil, I fully expected or would have expected him to be close to these top speeds um, for that weekend. So fingers crossed he's able to put together some some promising times in practice. But AlphaTauri, we obviously mentioned before that they've got some very good race pace and I think they are another team to watch heading into this weekend. What's your take on them? I'm really, really believing in AlphaTauri these days. And I'm trying to show you here as much data as possible so you believe me too. Not pictured here are the mean fastest lap times. Sonoda and Ricardo were eighth and ninth respectively. So even though you didn't see Ricardo in the top 10, it's because he was a lap down and he was trending really fast. Those mean lap times were faster than Hamilton and Piastri. So the car is definitely fast. Another measure of how fast it is are its mean top speed and its high top speed. You can see here that Ricardo and Sonoda are fourth and fifth respectively in that. So you can tell that Alpha Tower can hit a high top speed. And at a track like Vegas with a long straight, I predict that's going to play really well there. And then how are they achieving it? They're trying to get as close to the RB19 as physically possible. We heard yesterday that they brought on the rear suspension from the RB19 back in Singapore. And within two races, we saw this huge climb to the upper midfield. And you can see on the right, this is the number of performance upgrades for each team. That line at the top is Alpha Tauri head and shoulders above everyone else, including Mercedes, who have been telling us out loud they've been building toward the 2024 car for several weeks. And that's why they're so high up on there. So Alpha Tauri, I think, could really bring it these last two weeks. Yeah, definitely. There, there has been, I feel like, almost every race weekend with an AlphaTauri upgrade. So good to see that's obviously paying off. Uh, I think that very much makes someone like Sonoda a viable option as that fifth driver if you can afford him. But, I mean, you could almost run if you want to go very top-heavy in you know your premium budget drivers or your premium drivers not your premium budget drivers um sonoda probably is a premium budget driver to be honest but uh if you want to go you, you know top top load your team with big you know um big drivers then you know you could also back end your team with a, a sonoda ricardo combination if you feel confident enough that alpha tari are going to be mixing it up in the upper midfield so a great sign for them and much like you very very high on them heading into las vegas I think we're going to be giving that advice to a lot of people on our live show this weekend. We have some viewers that don't have the same sort of budget as us, but they want to run similar drivers. I would definitely recommend, you know, maybe a, like a max double McLaren and then double Alpha Tauri for those with lower budgets. I think that's a perfectly safe lineup that takes advantage of all of these big gains from Alpha Tauri. So um, it'll be very interesting to see how they do this weekend. Definitely. Definitely. Speaking of the the, the drivers um, and the critical lineup decisions, we do need to make. I know you've you've mentioned it a number of times already, but those that driver number two and driver number four slot. There's so many options at the moment, given how consistent or inconsistent some of these these guys have been. I mean, you look at the driver number two slot. We've got four different guys on our radar right now, and three for driver number four. Walk me through what your your view is on you know the the double Ferrari guys and Checo and Russell. Driver number two has me confused the most because I think there's something positive we could say about almost all of them at this point. 
Leclerc has had two very unlucky weeks with the formation lap crash in Brazil and the DQ at Coda. Otherwise, in his last seven races, he scored between 22 and 24 points in every one of those races. So as consistent and steady as they come, and like you mentioned a moment ago, Rob, Ferrari looked to play um, a very fast course to their advantage. Meanwhile, his teammate signs. He has 18 plus fantasy points in seven of his last eight. The eighth race was his DNS in Qatar. So again, both Ferraris are consistent or incredibly unlucky. So very steady assets there. Perez is definitely someone who's going to raise your blood pressure, but he has two 30 plus point performances in his last three races, which is a higher upside than either of those Ferraris. But he also has three DNFs in his last five. So it could be a tale of two races for Checo at a track with low grip, one mental mistake, and you could have some problems. Obviously, Russell stands out as the farthest back in this pack. So you'd really have to be looking for a differential play or have a lot of faith in the free practice sessions that Mercedes have fixed their issues and they're both contending in the, the upper midfield or lower podium positions. What do you think? Yeah, I very much agree with all of your comments there. I'm particularly confident in Ferrari this week. I think they are due for a big weekend. Uh, and I know you, you kind of take that with a grain of salt because of their reliability, their consistent the lack of consistency in, in many respects. But I do think Charles is going to be gunning for a podium. Um, you know, he's, as you said, has that kind of consistency of 20-point performances recently. I think that, you know, you look past the issues he's had lately. They're no fault of his own either. So, you know, if you're confident that he can deliver another 20-plus point performance, then I think he's um, certainly, he's probably my favorite, if I can be completely honest, of the four guys on the screen. Signs Perez. It really depends. I think I'd take Perez only slightly because if you think he can deliver another kind of top four result that we saw in Brazil, the straight line of the Red Bull is superior to the, all, all of those four budget drivers. Signs just consistent. And then Russell, again, like you said, the Mercedes kind of concerns from Brazil do deter me a little bit. But I'm liking Leclerc. I think there was speculation a couple of weeks ago if Ferrari would take a grid penalty for new engine components. We haven't seen anything quite like that lately in the build-up to the race. Whether that actually eventuates in Las Vegas, we still don't know. Uh, we probably hear something like that closer to qualifying, but if that does occur, then Leclerc is uh, close to automatic in my team for, for Las Vegas. Yeah, and one other point on Charles, I often talk about what Vegas's books have for some of these, these race results. And they have Charles as P2 in qualifying. He's typically a high qualifier. So I think that could bode well if they, if he and Max can get out in front and then the mess happens behind them. I, I wonder if he can avoid some of these unlucky things that have plagued him. And as we, as we look at our driver number two, it could open up budget for our driver number four, which is another area that we can flex with some of our um, cost cap. Because we know that Piastri is the class of this group. He's the mm. only one of these three with a 30-point race, and he's done it twice, and that includes the 56-point week he had in Qatar. But for those with a lower budget or take a higher-end number two driver, Stroll has that P5 and P7 recently. Brazil, like we mentioned a moment ago, was his season high. And Albon is very confident in what he can do in that Williams in a fast course. So if you're looking for a differential or you're trying to make the most of a lower budget, these two guys make a lot of sense to me. 
Definitely, yeah. Stroll, 21%, but most of that ownership is going to be, again, like Alonso, zombie teams. Albon, 18%. I think there aren't going to be too many people that have run him lately because a lot of the circuits haven't been suited to the Williams. But as you said, they're confident that they can deliver another performance representative of you know some of the drives we saw in Qatar. Um, the US was still pretty sound, and then um, Belgium, another a track that has a lot of high speed sections. So, I think Albon's a great enabler at that price. Stroll, I mean Piastri for me is still a, the standout candidate of these three, um, and that price tag reflects that. But I think Stroll for me, I even though we did see a great result from him in Brazil. I still do have some reservations around his qualifying performance. I don't know necessarily if the Aston Martin is going to be quite up to scratch uh, at a circuit like Las Vegas. Uh, and I do wonder if he does go out in Q1 again, that pretty much puts a kind of pin in the balloon for, for you that weekend. So I'm liking Albon over Stroll because of the strength of that Williams at this circuit. Uh, but you know, if if you think Stroll, much like Alonso, can replicate their performances in Brazil, go for your life. I just don't think that's enough to edge him for me between these three drivers. I agree for a lot of the same reasons. I'd also add too that if we're picking which Aston Martin driver we trust on a slick track in cold conditions, give me Fernando Alonso any day. If if we're worried about the performance of the car, I think Alonso can overcome it just from his maturity and his decision making. Whereas I don't think Stroll has that on his side. So I, I worry this stroll could be one of the casualties of how new this track is and how tough the conditions will be. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I do think that a, a podcast I was listening to made a great point that, you know, because we've never raced at Las Vegas, the, the drivers that we may see are more comfortable are those that drive more on the sim and like Max Verstappen, obviously very well known for driving on the sim, but some of these younger drivers in the field, like your Oscar Piastri's, your Yuki Sonoda's, even Alex Albon, um, these guys are all, you know, quite new to the scene. You you may not see some of the more experienced drivers that have been around for as long have as much time on the sim. And we're really going to see in practice which guys are more prepared for this race and for this circuit. So I do wonder, I can't tell you, say with any certainty if Stroll is one of those guys that loves being on the sim, but I think the, the ones that the ones that are more prepared um, we're going to see pretty early on in practice who those are and, and how comfortable they are on the circuit that we've never been at before. So a lot's going to unfold this week. So stay tuned to our socials and to our live show, which we're going to talk about more in just a little while because we're still up in the air on what's going to work best for us. Let's move on to the fan amp picks of the week. And the first one, Rob, is will Leclerc and Albon both make it to Q3? I'm very confident in both of these drivers this weekend that may well happen that they both end up in my team as well. Uh, I'm going to say yes. I think the Ferrari single lap pace, Leclerc in, in particular, is very, very good in qualifying, as we all know. So I have a lot of confidence in him to be in the mix. I wouldn't even be surprised if he sneaks a pole in. So he's um, probably one of my favorites for this weekend in qualifying, at least Albon. Uh, I think so too. He, as you, as we both said, they're going to be. There's going to be a lot of pressure and expectation on Williams to have a good race, at least from Albon's part as well. Uh, he's had a number of um, top ten qualifying performances this season. He's been on the second row once this season too. Uh, I'm not suggesting a P4 is within reach, but I certainly think a Q3 is. So I definitely think um, both will be featuring in the last qualifying session on the Friday. What's your view on that? 
as much as I believe in these two drivers, I'm going to say no. I think there's two reasons why. One is with the the craziness of the the traction and the temperature, I think you'll find that drivers are going to be saving their best flying lap till the end of sessions and someone's going to red flag a session and there's going to be a lot of unhappy campers on the other end of that. And I think there's a decent Mm -hmm. chance one of them could fall into that. The other is that Pirelli, when they published their track and tire characteristics for this week, this course got a five, the highest level of track evolution. So it's going to encourage more people to post their fastest lap times at the end. And when you're going full beans and you really need it, you could red flag the session at a time that really dooms those behind you that needed a flyer. Yeah, it may not even be either of their faults. Like you say, it could be someone that just puts it in the wall and they seem to just don't, they just don't have a time on the board that's competitive enough. So we've seen that happen this season. We've seen it happen in the past. I think there's a possible chance of that happening, but I'd like to think personally that Leclerc and Albon both have enough stock in their car to to push for a Q3 appearance. As far as the Grand Prix, do you think we were going to see a, another incident or another incident on lap one like we saw in Brazil with, with drivers crashing out on the first lap? I'm going to go with no. And for this, one, the Vegas course was designed to be a little bit wider than, than Singapore and some of the other tracks that get a bad rap for being too narrow and causing a lot of these early collisions. Also, I think the issues of maintaining tire temperature are going to be a little bit later. They're going to have the tire blankets on, pull them off, warm up lap with a lot of that weaving to try to get that, that temperature in the tire. So in the rundown to turn one, I don't think you'll have grip issues. And I think the track is wide enough that you won't have the Albon Magnuson coming together that we saw in Brazil. So I'm going to say no. I've thought long and hard about this question um, today. And I do think it's possible we do see an incident on lap one. Uh, I, I will say yes. I just have so much concern around that first turn. And it is a circuit that's been hyped up so much the last two years since it was announced in March of last year. Um, there's going to be drivers jostling for position and that first turn, it's not that wide. I, I know you said the, the straights or the part of the track has been wide in, in comparison to Singapore, for example, but I don't think it's suddenly like we're at Paul Ricard or we're at Interlagos. It's still quite narrow um, in comparison. And I fully expect with drivers that might go out earlier in qualifying than expected, they are going to want to get their elbows out and we could see something like we've seen a number of times this season where three just doesn't go into two and someone is unfortunately on the end of, um, you know, one of those racing incidents. So I'm going to say, yes, it may not be on the first turn, but I, I have some expectation that someone will get a little overexcited and, and ram, ram into someone else or hit, hit a barrier or whatever it might be. But yes, yes is my answer. I'm okay if you're right, but can it please not be someone that's on our teams? We've been through enough. I know. I know. It's killing me. (laughs) All right. Let's move on and talk about our lineups for the week. And so you can see here, we both love Charles. We think just by merit, he could be a podium contender, but also if Ferrari take the penalty, it becomes almost automatic that he could run up the field. I've got a little bit more budget than Rob, so I'm going with my safety blanket and Piastri. But Rob, you've got a perfectly good choice in Albon yourself. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I was toing and froing with that. I'm, you know, I think a million short or thereabouts of getting to 
Piastri, and I, I personally think I prefer Piastri, but I wouldn't say it's it's um, really that much different between the two. I, I think they're going to be very evenly matched, uh, and and Alex is due for another you know strong performance. So I think it could certainly happen here. Not often do we see that many drivers have back to back DNFs. Uh, I'm not saying it's out of the realms of possibility, but I also think that he's um, in with a shot at a circuit that's going to work in favor of his car. So I think, you know, we, without knowing what these lineups were going to be um, when we shared them, um, it's good to see we're on the same page. I have looked at alternatives with, say, Alonso in there or Perez in there, but this one I feel like fills me with the most confidence. I think you could be fine with Perez where we have Leclerc. I I just can't bring myself to do it anymore. He had three DNFs for me at a really big spot this year. So I just have to go with a driver that I have a little bit more confidence in this week. But I can see why a lot of people would put him in. And I also have the final fix chip in hand. And at this point, it's two races till the end of the year. I'm going to use it on absolutely anything that I think will get me even a single point of benefit. So if... Ricardo qualifies a little too high. Piastri qualifies a little too high. I'm going to sub them out for someone that's similarly priced. Like if you see Piastri P2 in qualifying, I'm switching to Albon. If you see Ricardo qualify in the top eight or so, I'm probably going to a Hulkenberg or God forbid, even a Sergeant just, just to avoid <laughs> losing places. I've got to figure out a way to, to get something out of that ship. Yeah, for sure. It is. It. I feel like it's one of those chips. I, I'd say maybe autopilot another, and even no negative because of how luck based it is. But chips that I feel like are there, but do they really add that much value to our teams? I'm not so sure. It is again a, a discussion for another time. But you, you look at other chips like limitless extra DRS that do add a lot of value and can result in big rank swings. I'm just not sure a, a final fix for me is has ever been the most valuable chip. So hopefully you can maximize it and squeeze out, you know, 10 extra points if if things work out that way. But I had, I think I was net zero when I used it earlier in the season. So if you can beat that, then I think that's a great result. <laughs> we'll see if I can even manage that. All right, let's move on to the weather. And you'll see we grab the weather just from the typical weather forecast. So it's not going to tell us the temperature at race time. But the last we checked, it's consistently hanging out in the low 40s Fahrenheit, which will be quite cold compared to what we're used to. The air temperature will be nearly 60 degrees cooler than what we saw in Qatar last month. So a, a very big shock for these drivers. Yeah, definitely. I think the 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 track temperature the air temperature as we've already alluded to variables that i just think are going to have a much more significant effect on the cars than we might give it credit for there's also uh the the possibility of showers on on the thursday and the friday i know we've got friday saturday sunday but on the thursday and the friday for the three practice sessions and the qualifying, I think from memory, the showers or the likelihood of showers is earlier in the day or perhaps in the afternoon. So we may have a largely uninterrupted qualifying. But again, that could well affect the results we see um, in those practice sessions that are in the early evening. So I do wonder if we're going to get a good read of times and if we're suddenly seeing cars out on the, the inters, if it's even worth our while <laughs> basing it off those times at all. 
I'm really counting on the race and quali sim, so I, I hope they're not tainted with a wet session for sure. No, 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 no. All right, let's wrap up this week with our contest question, which is how many DNFs will we see in Las Vegas? So head on over to the Fantasy Formula fan amp base and tell us how many DNFs you think we'll see this week. The winner, as always, is going to get a $50 gift card to our sponsor, fifthgeargarms.com and have the opportunity to rename one of our teams for the very last race at Abu Dhabi. So you will have the chance for the final name change of 2023 if you win this week. Rob, how many DNFs do you think we'll see? I mean, I did say earlier that I wouldn't be surprised if we see an incident on the first lap. And I think at a, a circuit, we've probably spoken this into existence at this point, but on the uh, at a circuit, we've not really raced that before with a lot of different kind of weather factors in play. Uh, I want to say six plus, but for the sake of my fantasy team, I really hope it's not because I can guarantee you at least two of my drivers or constructors are going to be affected by that. I think it'll be the higher end of the three to five bracket. So I'm going to say B. Um, I'd just be very surprised if we get out of Vegas with less than with two or less. Like it, it just doesn't seem like there's anything to suggest it's going to be a clean race this weekend. When I first saw this question, the number four has been stuck in my head the whole time. So I'm going to say four. And really, every time we have a collision and bring out a safety car, it's just going to compound the problem. These cars are going to go from higher temperature in the tires to slower times behind the safety car. It's going to cool everybody down and increase the likelihood that someone crashes again. So I think the more safety cars we see, the sloppier things are going to get. So this is going to be a doozy. Yeah, it could be could be a race that hypes up a lot but doesn't deliver much of a racing spectacle. I, I mean, I really hope it's um, quite the opposite, but at the same time, I, I do think most of the uh, the cause for celebration and the, the surprises are going to be off the track. So anyway, we can we can read into that as much as we want, but I think it'll be a an interesting race to say the least. And so, Rob, you and I come back at 1 a.m. Eastern on Saturday as we preview this race and do our final lineup locks on our live show. I hope to see all of you there and we'll be joined again by Terry from F1 Coffee Corner. I'm really excited to ask him about some of these unique track characteristics and maybe he can help us break some of these decisions we have on the driver two and driver five battle. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of, lots of decisions to make. I've got three trades up my sleeve. So I definitely think, I'll have some kind of makeover for my team this weekend and uh, with three practice sessions as well. We've only had that once in the last five races or four races. So it'd be nice to have a little bit of data assuming that uh, there's largely no rain during those lead up sessions. All right. Rob and I are going to rest up because we'll be up late this weekend. Thank you all for watching and we'll see you on Saturday.